starting the recording. Welcome everyone. Uh, we are recording this call and we also are on Facebook Live. So um, after this call, if you're not uh, on Facebook Live with us or on our Peace Alliance page, please go to our Peace Alliance Facebook page, like and follow us and share tonight's call with others. So welcome to our monthly Peace Builders call, the second Tuesday of every month, a tradition we have carried on for 15 plus years. Uh, our mission is to inspire civic action for a culture of peace. Oh, let me just let these people in. Here we go. Hello. Uh, hi. Hi, this we, is we Beth. Have, great. Welcome, Beth. We've started. Uh, our mission is to inspire civic action for a culture of peace. We hope our calls inspire, educate, and motivate you to mobilize for peace, keep you coming back, and inviting others. So the Peace Alliance has always had as our foundation cultivating our own personal peace. We believe we create peace by being the peace we want to see in the world. Some of our values are empathy, compassion, kindness, and connection with ourselves and others. And I'd like to take a moment to express our gratitude to Native and Indigenous peoples of the Americas and the care they have given to the lands on which we live. We pay our respects to elders, both past and present. Uh, the Peace Alliance is guided by the five cornerstones of peace, uh, empowering community peace building, humanizing justice systems, fostering international peace, practicing peace in schools and cultivating personal peace. Uh, the five cornerstones are endorsed in the blueprint for peace. And I'm gonna put a link in the chat. Let me just do that right now. So uh, signing the petition, uh, the Blueprint for Peace petition will let your elected officials know that you want them to support policy priorities uh, that uh, reflect peace building. And so we've got the five cornerstones of peace, the Blueprint for Peace, and both of these uh, feed the uh, vision and legislation for a US Department of Peace Building. And this bill calls for a department led by a cabinet level secretary of peace building and is an historic measure to highlight and strengthen our current evidence-based and practical peace building strategies. Uh, we want this department to replicate and expand successful programs devoted to ending violence, resolving conflict and creating and nurturing conditions for peace. And the idea for a Department of Peace has been alive in our country since the late 1700s and has been introduced in Congress multiple times over the last 200 years. And I'm going to put in the chat a link to the Department of Peace building page. And also, um, if you want to read the bill, I'm gonna put that in the chat also, the link to that. One is the entire bill and, and the other is just a summary. And in a moment, I'm gonna introduce Nancy Merritt who will update us on our September advocacy days that just passed. But I wanna also let you know 
uh, that we uh, have some new programs. Uh, we had our first empathy circle last Tuesday, and it will be the first Tuesday of every month. Empathy circles are a powerful way to connect experientially with the deeper reality of our inter-being, I-N-T-E-R. It's a powerful tool for being heard and for deepening your own listening skills. So please come and try it at least once. You can find all of our events on our calendar. Go to www.peacealliance.org. In the top right-hand corner, you'll see our calendar. You can click on it. Go to any, click on any day. It'll tell you what's going on that day and give you the link to the, to the call. And all of our Tuesday calls have the same link and you don't have to uh, register. So let me take a little breath here. I'm going to introduce Nancy. And then after Nancy, we will have our speaker tonight, Dr. Mustafa El-Jaya. And I'll read his bio before, um, before he begins speaking. I had to shorten it a lot because it's a long bio. So I'm just gonna give you a little bit of what, what he does, has done. So Nancy Merritt joined the Peace Alliance and Department of Peacebuilding Campaign in 2004 and has worked for passage of the legislation since that time. She began serving as state coordinator for, of, for California about that time, which was 15 years ago, and she currently serves. She's a founding member of the Peace Alliance Department of Peacebuilding Committee, which was formed in 2011. And she represents the Department of Peacebuilding Campaign on the Peace Alliance Leadership Council. She's been instrumental in organizing actions and lobbying days for the legislation, and she's a force to be reckoned with. So Nancy, over to you. Oh, wow. I don't know. A force. That's scary. <laughs> the force be with you. Yes, yes, I hope so. Thanks, Kathy. Um, so welcome. I'm, I'm calling in from Ohlone land, uh, which also includes Berkeley, California. And I had to mention that because um, in 1992, Berkeley was the first city in the country to declare Indigenous Peoples Day. And finally, yesterday, the federal government caught up and uh, 29 years later did the same thing. So um, perhaps perseverance is the word here, I don't know. <laughs> um, so as Kathy mentioned, we've been doing advocacy days for many years. Uh, usually we go to um, Washington DC to visit congressional offices and advocate for uh, Department of Peacebuilding and other peacebuilding legislation. Um, because of COVID, uh, we didn't do that last year and we didn't do it this year. We, we did everything virtually. And we really spent um, pretty much the whole month of September and actually going forward uh, working on uh, meetings with uh, congressional folks, and uh, we started. We have we have a lot of moving parts to what happened with advocacy days, and um, I want to thank all the people on this call and a lot of other folks who uh, were instrumental in most of the parts of what was going on. We had we had a four week series called Reimagining Peace uh, panels, and. Uh, those including reimagining peace in our government, our communities, um, inner peace and peace in our schools and international peace building. 
And then we went on to, um, was it just last week, I guess, <laughs> had a whole week filled with uh, congressional meetings, um, all of them virtual, including one with Barbara Lee, which was, um, she's the, the sponsor of this bill. And it was pretty rare to have a meeting with a congressperson themselves, but we got a lot out of that meeting and uh, it's given us a lot more to do which is the good news and the bad news. Um, and then we met with uh, seven or eight others. We have a couple of other meetings that are probably gonna take place. And as a result of advocacy days, as I said, we're going, going forward with, um, with other things. Another part of advocacy days was what we call Amplify. And I know a lot of you helped us, we had a list of 24 members of Congress that we asked people to call while we were doing the meetings. And um, so thank you to those who did that and feel free to keep doing that, of course. Um, another great thing that came out of this was um, uh, we founded a Peace Builder YouTube series. And um, so DJ Kent, Chandler and Kelly O'Brien were instrumental in that. And if any of you want to be um, interviewed for that uh, channel, please, maybe somebody, we could put DJ's um, email in the, in the chat. They, uh, they can go, go to info at Peace Alliance and just uh, let us know that they want that. Okay. Um, and then just the biggest part of advocacy days, I think was the um, energy, all the, all the folks who participated. Um, usually after the, after the calls with Congress people, we asked people to stay on for a little while and um, people were just filled to the brim with ideas. And um, so we're going to be taking that forward and doing strategy meetings um, soon to prepare, you know, to follow up on those meetings. Um, we also have a next Wednesday night, a call with Congressman um, James McGovern from Massachusetts, who's been a longtime co-sponsor and that's open to everybody. And um, yeah, just stay tuned, watch, watch the e-blast. There's a lot more to come and um, appreciate everything everybody did. And then transitioning, I wanted to thank Marty Lewis, um, who's on the call, um, who introduced me to Mustafa and others in the Sudanese uh, American community and beyond that actually. Um, Marty's from Monterey and I've known her since about 2007. Um, and getting to know her has opened this whole rich, um, entry into Monterey, California, which has a, which has a really diverse uh, culture and um, including Mustafa. And so several years ago, Marty introduced me to Mustafa and uh, he's been part of our, um, he was a speaker on our California calls in like 2012 or something. And um, he went with us to Barbara Lee's office around that same year to, um, to bring the voice for the Sudanese people. Barbara Lee's been a, a very much a proponent of democracy in Sudan forever. And then um, just about a month, month and a half ago, um, we were all on a call with Barbara Lee's staffers 
concerning what's going on in Sudan right now and uh, her efforts and part in uh, peace and freedom and justice in Sudan. And um, from all of this, I continue to learn that peace is a really, um, it's really hard work. And I, I appreciate you, Mustafa, for all that you've taught me, um, both about peace building and about Sudan. And I appreciate you, Marty, for being a bridge builder. She has, a, she has an institute called The Bridge. And um, she's, she has connected so many communities. So um, I thank you all and I'll turn it over to you, Kathy. Great. I'd like to echo thanking Marty for bringing us Dr. Mustafa. Thank you, Marty. I know we'll be doing much more in the future. Okay, so I'm going to introduce Dr. Mustafa and then we'll have 15 minutes to ask questions before we close the call. And there are usually more questions than we have time for. So if you wanna type your questions in the chat, if some of them are similar, then you know, we can ask those questions and he can take, take you know, a few at once. So Dr. Mustafa has a PhD in geography. His dissertation was environmental management, traditional versus modern from the Graduate School of Geography at Clark University in Worcester, Massachusetts. And Clark University is ranked number one in the United States in geography and cartography. Uh, he's got a couple of masters, uh, one in geography, uh, majoring in arid lands geography, uh, first minor resource management, second minor educational geography, and also geography in the field of population migration. The thesis, Migration to and Within Low-Income Residential Areas in Port Sudan. He's currently Associate Professor at the Defense Language Institute in Monterey, California, teaches languages, area studies, and cultures of the Middle East, among other world languages and cultures to U.S. officers and soldiers. He's been invited as a visiting professor to universities around the world. So uh, introducing Dr. Mustafa, uh, the floor is yours. Hello, everybody. And I'm so grateful to be part of this effort and uh, thankful to the community, to the people who took time to listen to this. And uh, it has been said that uh, at the beginning of last century, the dream of humanity is more technology, more uh, putting uh, the technology on the surface of human beings, going deep into ocean, far up there in the space. And that dream came true. But now the dream is no longer that because it's discovered that this does not lead to uh, happiness. It's true, it led to unifying this universe, this world, to make it one unit, to make it think close to each other, dress close to each other, and, and uh, may they unify culture. But mm, it created so many troubles. So now the dream of humanity is more peace, more cooperation, love between people. Um, uh, nobility. People are searching for those meanings now. And I think they will be true also. 
because once the whole universe is directed at something, it will get it. And my argument is that Sudan is an important piece in that. I think Sudan, though it's uh, poor, underdeveloped, uh, unknown, but I believe it will be it will be one of the leaders. It has a great role. So, and that's what I will. Uh, that's the theme of what I'm trying to to put. And hopefully, uh, in the 20 minutes, I will be able. Okay, is it in front of you now? Mm -hmm. Okay, so hopefully, as I said, in the 20 minutes, I will be able to speak about a topic as huge as this, peace, justice, and democracy in Sudan. And however I did well, it will be still glimpses. It will be snapshots. Uh, Sudan is in the, the heart of Africa. Usually we say the heart of Africa. It's located uh, between the Arab world in the north and the African, the Arab African world in the north and the rest of Africa. It is between the Middle East and Africa. And it is in the center of the ancient world, of the old world, the known world. And it is so close to the core of the three religions, which is now the conflict, which is now the, 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 the heart of the conflict. And I think if there is peace there, there is peace everywhere. And uh, uh, Sudan, in terms of size, uh, used to be 1 million square miles. That is including the south that has been separated now since 2011. Uh, it is a little less than one third of the country. But still, I. I usually speak about Sudan all in all. I don't speak about, neither the Northerners nor the Southerners are happy with this separation. And everybody is looking forward to rejoin again. The blue color is Darfur, and that is all what the people hear about Sudan usually. They hear the war, the genocide, the, all the bad events uh, that covered the situation here. Uh, it is, um, it used to be number eight, or is it number eight in terms of size in the, after the US, Canada, Australia, uh, Soviet Union used to be, India, China, Argentina, and Brazil. After them, the Sudan in terms of size. And um, it is a rich forest, rainy forest in the South, and gradually moving to savannah, poor savannah, all savannah, semi-arid and arid until it is bare desert in the north. So this range and diversity created a diversity in the environment, a diversity in the cultures. The Sudan represents so many races and it is more like East Africa in its east and more like North Africa in its north and more like West Africa in its, and so forth. Uh, it is full of resources. Unfortunately, due to bad policies, it's not used, it's still poor, but it has uh, cultivable lands, wide cultivable lands. It has resources, minerals, it has oil, large quantities. Just a little of it has been uh, extracted. 
it has gold, it has platinum, it has copper, so many things. Uh, in terms of history, it is believed that uh, Sudan is the origin of mankind, is where humanity started. And it is even, I, in some specificity, it is here, Kosti, one of the, uh, and that is either through the research of fossils and archaeology or through the detecting the DNA. It all leads to that uh, idea. And in that sense, I usually used to tease my friends and say, you are all Sudanese somehow. And I, I always tell, uh, you are all Sudanese immigrants. It's not me alone. <laughs> uh, and again, also Sudan is in the Bible. If, if there is a place that is widely mentioned and continuously mentioned, it is uh, Kush or the Ethiopians or uh, the Nubians. And that's all Sudan, that is Sudan. Even Ethiopia is politically a name of a, a country Ethiopia, but it's originally the Sudan. And it, is, it has uh, three times uh, the number of pyramids in Sudan are three times those in Egypt. In Egypt, it's um, 88 pyramids. In Sudan, there are 223. Those are the known ones, that, the, the ones that are built uh, by rocks and, and, and solid material. Um, but more than that, it is not only the pyramid and the origin of mankind, but it is the base of uh, civilization. It is the cradle of civilization. I just brought this quotation. Mustafa, are you hearing anything? Ah, uh, it is not here to you? No, we can't hear it. Ah, uh, unfortunately, I don't know what is the problem. It's okay. Uh, you don't hear anything, wow. No, I don't. Do you have it on mute or anything? Ah, uh, let me see. No. Uh, it's not on mute. Oh, did you enable your browser? The browser. I'm not sure what is that. I, I should have. Oh, tried it. okay. You can't do it now. Uh, somebody's talking to me who knows more more about this than I do. Uh, uh, you'd have to stop sharing. So if you want, you can just, um, yeah. So I, uh, or because I I put a lot of quotations into those. Uh, what do you mean by browser? Uh, can somebody help him? I'm not good about all this stuff. I Is there somebody technologically minded on the call? I think he needs to co-host. I'm not sure. Oh um, no, he can share screen, but the um, what he's trying to show, we can't hear the. Um, let's see. Somebody said you can copy the link. Yeah, you pull it up, Kathy. 
uh, he can share again and share his desktop. Share my desktop. Okay, let me try that. Uh, desktop. Uh, it says go back to the share feature and click share audio. Share audio. It is a video. Yeah, let's see. Where is the share feature uh, where you shared the screen? If you look on the, uh, click on the up arrow and it says advanced sharing options. Advanced? Advanced sharing options. I don't see yes. it. Yes. And then video. Like so this. That uh, install a plugin is required to share the video file. Okay, let us see that. Hopefully. Yeah, now it's installing. Okay, if it is installing. Yeah. And then I go back to it or what? Share, I say share. Charlie uh, says click share, now find the share audio box. Ticket and it'll go. Okay. Hmm. Real life. I love it. Mm -hmm. I have somebody else doing the spaceship driving. Okay. Okay. Let me then, in that case, talk directly. Okay. Without that, but it's just that I put quotations from him and from Biden and from uh, the uh, not even the, the 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 picture is not also shared. We can see the picture. We just couldn't hear any. See the picture. Okay. Okay. Let me then share it as a picture and then see. Time to breathe, everyone. Yes. Breathe, Pete. Now you see? No. Gotcha. Is there anyone who has a picture muted that they can unmute the picture? Let's see who's on here. Oh, okay. Okay, just a uh, last attempt. Uh, basic. Yeah. Okay. okay, now you see this, right? Okay, let us move from it. I was okay. also here, uh, okay, no, before that. We can uh, try it one more time and see. Maybe. No. 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 Okay. Okay. What he says is that uh, the, the this is these uh, are European universities had the it's crack crack crackling. You need to turn that off so we can hear you. Uh, to turn off. It's off. It's off. 
Yeah. Uh, so it is. Uh, he's a professor in um, in together in a joint research by uh, several uh, European universities in Northern Sudan, and they came to the conclusion that the Sudanese uh, civilization is uh, the earliest in the in the human history, and it is the base of all the civilization that follows, including the. Uh, Egyptians, and then even the recent civilization up to the European or the, he's there, he's putting it clearly that the base for all of that is the Sudanese and the Sudanese should have it in their identity to, to recognize themselves as the bed, the curtain of, uh, uh, of uh, civilization. And he's saying that it is 5,000 years before the Egyptian civilization. And um, also after that, I uh, wanted to speak to you about the culture and usually the people who visit the Sudan will, will define it. Some people would say they are the friendliest people on earth. And some would say, so beautiful things. If you want to go to uh, YouTube, you will find lots of material in that direction. This has been one of the examples, and hopefully it can, might work. Let us No? It will not work. No. No. No, but you're doing a great job, Mustafa. Yeah. <laughs> he is speaking of uh, how people are so friendly, and they are not uh, even advertising what they are uh, selling, and they are even getting out of their way to get you back the money if you, and so forth. It's a beautiful piece. It's only one minute. Okay, let me stop this and then uh, move to, I uh, wanted to talk about policy. And here is the real problem of Sudan. Uh, we, uh, we were colonized by the British and before that colonized by the Ottoman Empire. And those has been more than 200 years and then independence happened in uh, 1955. Exactly the day I was born, it was announced. The, the, the independence of Sudan was announced on the day I was born. So I represent the age of independent Sudan. And it, it, throughout those years, it is the government is either a democrat, democracy on elections, taking like four years, three to four or five years. And then a military coup take place. The first one took six years. The second one took 16 years. And the last one, which is the horrible one, took 30 years. And this 30 years, it was uh, uh, governed by the Muslim Brotherhood. And those are the same ideology of Al-Qaeda and of ISIS and of Boko Haram. And if you can imagine, you, if you want to uh, understand better this situation, it, you can imagine the same people who applied September 11, were the same people who are leading into ISIS, killing and doing those horrible things. That is the same thinking of the people who has been governing Sudan for 30 years. And they have been spreading this all over the place around. They are helping the Shabab movement, the youth movement in Somalia, doing all that horrible things. 
they are helping the Hamas uh, smuggling weapons to them through the Red Sea. They are helping the Muslim Brotherhood in uh, Egypt against the government. They are helping the Algerian Brotherhood. It is evil. And that is why the Sudanese led uh, this revolution, this last revolution that uh, acquired or got the admiration of, the, of all of the nations in the world uh, for so many reasons. Uh, so before I go to the revolution, yeah, government, and then the current struggle, okay. This revolution, because it, for several reasons. First of all, because it is massive. It covered all the urban areas, the cities and the towns and the villages. And secondly, because it is uh, passive. It is fully peaceful. They do not even throw a stone. And they were met on the other side by killings and torturing. In one day, about 800 people were killed in, the, in this revolution. And uh, uh, the third thing that made it admirable is that uh, it is led by females, basically females. Despite all these difficulties and harshness and hitting and raping, but this is uh, one example of, you cannot hear, right? No. <laughs> okay. okay. Okay, I will stop this. And then here, uh, this picture became an icon and it spread, it's, it was viral throughout this, the globe. This is from the New York Times but it has been, um, it, it became an icon where a girl is leading this demonstration and everybody else is chatting with her and she is uh, riding on the top of a white car and the people are chanting behind her. And that is spread to a great extent until it, uh, this is a demonstration in Sweden. I don't know what the demonstration is about, and I don't know what they are saying in the video, but they are all holding the picture of this girl chanting. So that shows to, what, to which extent people uh, admire nobleness and passiveness and, 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 and the, the bravery of the people, and especially the bravery of those girls. Uh, then I uh, brought this um, um, quotation from the speech of uh, Biden in front of the UN. He is uh, claiming that people are speaking about democracy and having saying negative things about how it, it cannot fit everywhere and it can and it, yeah, and, and it has so many definitions. But then he's saying, now people are fighting for it and specifically courageous women of Sudan. And, and then followed, uh, I've, after I brought that part, 
Yeah, then I brought this speech also in front of the UN by uh, uh, Dominic Grab. He is the foreign minister of uh, the UK. And he's speaking about that he is optimistic after all, after all the sad events and the, the horrible things that's happening around the globe. He is optimistic because still the, 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 the spirit of freedom, of uh, wanting peace, wanting democracy, uh, fighting for the values in a very horrible situations. And specifically he talked about Sudan and he talked about a specific woman uh, who uh, was called the gas, uh, the tear gas hunter, because she she uh, uh, grabs the, the 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 tear gas while while in flame and throw it back, and it's it, she used to do that where, and uh, he spoke about how in Khartoum he met with her and talked to her. Uh, let me. He's saying I took even courage from her, and etc. And here is the footage of her inside the. That is her. Look at her. Mm. Uh, it is not stable. Also, again, that is another problem. And so he. Uh, he met with her, and she is here, one of the one who is speaking to him. And he is uh, advocating, saying that uh, those young women fighting vigorously the most uh, bloody dictatorship that has been building its tools for 30 years, barehanded, those people are barehanded, struggling and fighting against them. And uh, then I uh, brought some pictures of the people and how, why this uh, revolution has been. Yeah. Uh, through, the, I mean, the train will go from a town to a town, from a city to a city, and people will come up and meet with the revolutionists coming from other places. And they are all chanting and cheering, and until in the end they put an end for that, for that government, for that thirty years dictatorship. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, it is not stable. Also. Right. And this is just an image to have a taste of uh, of this of what is happening in this uh, Okay, I tried my best 
to summarize or tell you what is in those videos. They are small videos, a minute, a minute, and something less than a minute, but they express uh, authentically and in reality uh, this situation of the of the Sudanese revolution that grabbed this attention and that showed to which extent the, that nation is able to provide. And uh, I think in the end, you, you might find, you might agree with me on that, you might not find it difficult not to accept that the Sudan, when it comes to values, when, when, the, when, the, when people are ready to listen to uh, values and to the brighter side of humanity, as both of you and all of you are. I mean, I respect this kind of community because all of you are coming out, putting your time and your effort to initiate peace and to establish the good values of humanity. And that is definitely, I believe, is coming because that is that's the tomorrow. That's what we are uh, expecting from tomorrow. Here, I uh, built all the whole uh, presentation around that those videos would work, unfortunately. <laughs> I, it was I still hope. very interesting. <laughs> all right. Yeah. If you want to um, stop sharing and then we'll take some questions. Yeah. Okay. Great. Thank you so much for listening. It was wonderful. Thank you. Very interesting. So if you will um, go to reactions, everybody, and where it says raise your hand, click on that, and I'll take questions. Nancy, you want to go first? Yeah. Um, Mustafa, if I understand correctly, um, there's a transition government right now. Uh, trying to move things from from well toward a more peaceful um, democratic society, and that there's some roadblocks uh, from that. Could you could you talk a little bit about that? Where where Thank things you so are much. at with that? Thank you so much. That has been said in between in those videos, but it's true uh, that as I said, barehanded people were able to overthrow this government. Actually, the government was compelled and also after the interference of the international community, they were compelled to accept sharing with, with the people, the government. So it has two sides. On one side, the military, people who represent the older regime, still the Muslim Brotherhood. And the other side, who is the nation? The the passive people, but it was an unjust uh, agreement between two sides, one of them holding all the powers, all the money of the country, and the other side is barehanded in the street, only the street. Mm -hmm. So that is why it was not able, the, the civilian government was not able to achieve much because they are putting barriers into any single uh, action. And that is where this uh, British Prime Minister, uh, British uh, Foreign Minister is saying, 
is calling the community to help that situation, to help the people who are fighting like that and facing all that danger and the killings. And they need someone because they, the, the peaceful side is done. They cannot do more than that. They can only go out on the street and unified and, 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 and scream and, and show what their opinion is. But they cannot unfortunately do more than that because the other side has the power and has the money and has everything. So now still the struggle is continuing and um, we eagerly open the news every day to find out that uh, it is still there and it is a puzzle how to be solved. So the women that are leading this um, revolution, uh, how are the Muslim Brotherhood and, and those in power that are the religious extremists, how are they responding to women leading this? Uh, women are, uh, in, in one day, that's, this, that's a very sad thing. One day, I mean, after the revolutionists uh, uh, came into a sitting in front of the um, military uh, quarter, headquarters, and they were having in the sitting for about two months the whole population. And in one day, the military came and broke that and killed about 800 young men and raped the women whom they found inside. Wow. All of them. And that's not only sad, that is hard to swallow. And that was, has put the whole nation in a situation that they, they won't go back. They cannot go back. But the, again, the, the, the military side, those people, they cannot also go back because they, uh, if a civilian government is done, is made, then they are going to face uh, death or jail because it is definitely them who did that. And also they are going to face the International Justice Court. Uh, because they are part of what happened in Darfur and part of what happened in that day, that specific day. Mm. So they are taking it a matter of life for this. And they are, and again, because they are taking all of the resources under their, their control. The, all the banks, the commercial places, the agricultural schemes, Anything is made all under the management of uh, the military, uh, it's called the military institution. So that is how the situation is, if I have answered your question. Yeah. Uh, does anybody else have a question before I ask more? Just unmute yourself if you wanna ask a question. So, uh, Dr. Oh, go ahead, Nancy. Well, I just uh, sort of a follow up to the transition government. Um, so there's a plan in place for the government to um, to go over to the civilian side, but 
you're saying that's not happening that the military mm. is not relinquishing power or yes is not relinquishing power because as i told you it's a matter of life or death for them if 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 the civilian government won then they go to jail or to international court is there something the um the world community can do for this uh the solution for this is what is so called chapter 7 in the un where the the un sent forces the country is open for the un peace corps and then they took they take lead and control the armies the the, the because there are many militias now in there are, there are a number of militias they they are forming uh, uh, six or seven armies uh, which which is which can also at any time break a war that's how complicated the situation is Great. It looks like Matthew uh, Albright has a question. Hi, thanks for this conversation. This is, uh, you know, a question out of ignorance, but given what you just shared about the um, military and leadership being in fear of going to jail and, and worse, is there any kind of opportunity for something like they did in South Africa with truth and reconciliation where they something that would allow them to not to cede power without uh the the consequences that they're most dreading or is that just not on the table uh i don't know that would be a good idea if that happened uh i i i don't know but that's something people will yeah, usually discuss uh compromise to to allow them the chance that they would not be trialed. I don't know if that is possible. But uh, again, that is, um, if you did not, if, if that happened, then no one will be trialed. Uh, because it's not a person or two persons. It is their supporters and their people. I mean, if this uh, uh, case is tried, if the investigation went on, so many names will go into this. And uh, already the last president, Bashir, the previous uh, president, is wanted for the international court. And if he has been, if he is delivered, then all of them will go in this. And um, I, I don't know also for the international court, do they have the opportunity to do something like that? Whoever criminals who killed thousands of people and raped the women and all of that? I don't know. That's an interesting question. I'm Marty. You are muted, Martin. You are muted. Armai. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there you go. So, um, 
I wanted to say this to Matthew. Hi, Matthew. It's Marty. Um, Mustafa was in uh, Sudan at the time that those people were executed, correct? Mm. Yes. And I happened to be in the park with maybe 75, probably 75 DLI professors the week after. And everyone was mourning. And I went with one, um, Araya, um, Mustafa's friend, who was a judge. And I said, wasn't, weren't they afraid they were going to kill their brothers or sisters? And Araya said, no. He said, none of the Sudanese army is Sudanese. That the dictator had hired all the Middle Eastern mercenaries to be the military. And so um, I was like, oh, well, who's paying them? And I guess they're mining gold in Darfur and Nubia. They're being paid in gold. And I, I think it's China and Russia. But um, my, my, my thing is, from what I understand, there are eight armies now in Sudan. And, and each one of the mercenaries has started up their own army. Am, am I correct, Mustafa? That's true, yeah. So there are eight armies going on over there. Recently, the United Nations gave a million dollars for COVID. They didn't see a dime. And why we were trying to get to Barbara Lee's office was because I was getting a lot of calls from Mustafa and, and his friends and how, how are we gonna do this and Jimmy and how are we gonna get a fiduciary committee because the United States has approved $1.2 million to go for starving children in Sudan. So that's why I said we needed to go to Barbara Lee's office. I knew that through Nancy. And, um, and we had been to Barbara Lee's office before, but it depends on Barbara Lee co-wrote the bill to give the $1.2 million. So we're still, uh, Matthew, you, uh, Kendra, all of us, are. we're all in this, fix right now that um, is this 1.2 million dollars going to go to some military guy and not go to the starving children just like it did with the united nations thing i mean it's not there's nobody overseeing this 1.2 million dollars that we're sending so i just wanted to bring that up thank you marty uh mustafa let me ask you one last question you're moving back to sudan is that correct yes what are you hoping to do when you get there? Okay. I, um, I really love Sudan and the nation there. And when I come, came back uh, from my graduate studies, my PhD at Clark University back in 1988, after I did my work, I used to tell everybody that I'm not going outside Sudan again. Uh, but then after this regime or this uh, Muslim Brotherhood, uh, and it's reached the stage where we were, uh, as uh, teachers in the university, were given the orders to, to go to uh, a military um, training, uh, that it's very possible to throw you after that in a war. And when it reached that point, I went outside Sudan again. 
and uh, I went to Yemen and then I came here. Uh, once this revolution uh, succeeded, I thought there is, uh, I mean, this is the time for me to go back. Uh, my uh, idea is to build a, a radio station because it is the shortest way to provide ideas and to share in the awareness. But I'm not sure uh, if, if I would be given that opportunity, depending upon the situation and upon the people who are still in control, because even though the government has changed into civilian, but their hand is still so strong and controlling over the country. So, but that will not stop me from knocking on the door. So what I will do, uh, and I already started the applications and filling out for that. I will go there. And if I am able to do this registration, that's good. Otherwise I will be teaching again. Would your life be in danger if you start a radio station? I, it, um, again, it depends upon whether those same people would be in control. Right now, they don't have the old control, of course. Uh, they used to, uh, to know everybody has a file, has a, they know it specifically. I mean, uh, several times when I come through the, airport, uh, through the airport, uh, your passport will, will be stopped for a while to go over the record and see what you have. Yeah. Because if you have something, they might, not, they might tell you not to go, yeah, uh, prevent you from traveling. Right. So now this ended. And uh, now they cannot come through the night and take you to their, to their security places. Yeah. But still they are there because they are not trialed, they are not caught. And it just remained uh, a challenge or gazing into the eyes of each other and there is nothing being taken. So it depends on that. If, if it became, Difficult, then I have to, 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 as I said, to teach in the university or do anything else. But if it is possible and they gave me the license and the approval and all of that, that will be my job, hopefully. Gotcha. Well, we wish you the best of luck and thank you for coming on tonight. Thank you so much. Sorry again for, <laughs> for not being able to process it the way I wanted it. Oh, it's still very interesting, Mustafa. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, so uh, we're going to end the call. And just I want to invite you to come next uh, month. We're going to have a woman who does restorative justice in the prisons with um, some of the most um, hardened criminals that uh, are in some of these high high um, security prisons. And um we also have the Empathy Circle the first Tuesday of the month. Our first book club selection is uh, the fourth Thursday of this month. We'll take um, November, December off for um, the book club because it's such a busy month, but we'll still have the Empathy Circles in this call. We also have our Hope Circles on the second and fourth Saturday of the month. And um, if you go to our website and look uh, www.peacealliance.org, 
in the right hand corner, you'll see the calendar. Uh, click on the calendar, click on uh, any day that you see an event, it'll take you to the Zoom link for that day. And there's also right next to the calendar is a donate button. If you enjoy our programs and want to continue to support this, please consider a donation. And uh, that concludes our call. Thank you all for being here. We will see you for our next event. Good night, everybody. Thank you, Mustafa. Thank you. Thank you. Good night. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> we hope that it inspires. Sorry, start. Thank you for joining us today at Peace On. We hope that it inspires you to engage in dialogue in your larger community. Peace On is brought to you by the Peace Alliance, found at peacealliance.org. Thank you.